This is a 980 CKNW podcast. 6.33 on this Saturday morning. Well, it is that time of year we likely, or you likely, at least I know I do, have been eating a few more baked goods, probably ingesting a bit more sugary treats and such than I would at other times of the year. If you had to pay a sugar tax, do you think you would eat less? Would it lead to you being a healthier person? Well, my next guest has written about that exact thing. Chris Sims is the BC Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation and joins us on the line. Chris, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, You've written about this. uh, I I enjoyed it. uh, First taking us into your kitchen with the baking and the baked (laughs) goods because we all, I think, are most of us are a bit familiar, whether there are baked goods around the office or more at home. Uh, but it does raise the question about this syntax for sugary things and some proposals for that. Yes, it does. It's one of those things where you can just tell that it's right around the corner. So different municipalities try imposing this at different times. Montreal has just announced that they want a what they're calling it a pop tax or a soda tax. It's a sugar tax. And now U of T has come out very strongly recommending this. This all comes from the public health set, who uh, have a very good reason for recommending it. They say that it's to combat obesity, and in most cases, childhood obesity. And so they want things like a sugar tax, as thinking goes, to make us eat less sugar. The problem is, and we did a study on this, you can find it on our website, is that they don't work. Sugar taxes don't work. So... A lot of your listeners have probably heard, oh, Mexico imposed a tax on their soda pop because they drink a lot of soda pop in Mexico. A lot of times that's because, unfortunately, in some cases, their drinking water isn't the safest in the world. And so quite often people will turn to soda pop there because it's gone through the processing system and it's therefore been sterile. The the issue is, is that the consumption levels of soda pop dipped slightly when they introduced a tax and they went right back up. So most of the time, human habit and human behavior goes back to what you're comfortable with, and your consumption rates stay the same. The problem is is that the money just goes straight to government. All of this is, it turns into a tax, and all it does is raise money for government. If the issue was raising money for government and they were honest about that, that's one thing, and we could have a conversation. But if it's put forward as an idea of somehow saving us from obesity and saving us from ourselves, and it doesn't work, then that's a whole other kettle of fish. Uh, because there are other jurisdictions. That was New York City I had toyed with this idea, too, on the big soda drinks, trying to discourage people from drinking those big sugary drinks. Uh, so I, I think the idea behind it is good and that we shouldn't be ingesting all of that bad stuff. But uh, you make a good point. If it's just a cash grab and it's not actually helping people become healthier, what's the point? Exactly. And the point usually becomes fattening government coffers, pardon the pun. Uh, over in Europe, they tried this in uh, in Denmark. They had a big fat tax that was put in, and they said, "Oh well, this will keep people from eating so many, you know, sausages and potato chips and all this stuff." Well, guess what? The neighboring jurisdiction put out flyers saying, "Hey, come grocery shop here. We have no fat tax," and all of the all of the money went that way. And so they had to finally get rid of it. I don't think the tax even survived a calendar year. They had to get rid of it so fast. And also the, in the study, it was quite interesting. There were some knock-on effects that I don't think anybody anticipated. So in Philadelphia, downtown Philadelphia, they imposed a soda tax, as they call it in the States, because they were worried about inner-city people drinking too much pop, like you just pointed out with New York. 
the issue is, is that all of the suburbs around the downtown core of Philadelphia have a different jurisdiction. They didn't have a soda tax. So all those people who had ability to use a car left the downtown to go do their grocery shopping out in the burbs so they didn't get nailed at the sugar tax. That left grocery stores in the downtown core bereft of customers, so much so that in some cases they folded. They actually closed up shop. And the knock-on there is that that shutting down, that folding, deprived the people who were stuck downtown from a grocery store with real food. So people who couldn't leave, who didn't have cars, who were most vulnerable, were then denied a real grocery store that sold normal things like vegetables and meat because of this soda tax. So what about the idea of marketing, though? Because it does come down to education and the fact that we as children, I think we can all look back and think about we may have loved the sugary cereals. Maybe we had parents like my parents that didn't let us have the sugary cereals. But there are companies market to kids and they market these products that aren't good for us. What about that? Perhaps not taxing these, but there are ideas out there as well to change that. Right. That's a great point. So there were two major things that came up last week, along with the sugar tax study, and then now just recently at the end of last week, as you point out, the marketing. So Nancy Green Rain, who's a senator here from British Columbia, has a private member's bill in the Senate uh, getting rid of marketing or enticement, as it's called, to children to buy or use foodstuffs. The issue that I have and some of my folks here at the CTF also have with this is that it's really vague and can be applied to everything. So if you take her wording, and I've spoken to her directly about this several times, she wants to even go so far as eliminating toys and Happy Meals or cartoon characters on the cereal boxes. I'm not talking about, you know, streaming, you know, Captain Crunch commercials into your grade two class at your public school, as has happened in some cases in the United States in the past or even those Saturday morning cartoons, as you point out, for the sugary cereals. I loved them. I used to sneak to my aunt's house to eat them when I was a kid. Um, So it goes really far. So, so far that if you can imagine it, Jill, right now I phoned. I said, hey, what about the Kinder Surprise? Because the Kinder Surprise has a toy in it, right? Mm -hmm. But you can't see it. And so I phoned her office. Turns out we are paying bureaucrats right now at Health Canada to discuss if the Kinder Surprise should be legal in Canada. Because you can't see the toy. It's encased in the chocolate. So does that still count as enticement or marketing? So, I, you know, we think that goes too far because quite often kids just want to be kids and parents want to be able to make their own choices as to what they feed their children. And more time could be better spent in education, in talking to people, saying these are not good food choices. Here are better, healthier food choices. We could perhaps do it through the school system where we make sure that they have recess, where they have PE, where they have a more physically active lunch. Perhaps we could do, you know, proper food nutrition management courses in school. Some schools even grow their own gardens, as we saw with the former first lady with Mrs. Obama. Um, So there's lots of different things you can do, but taxing and banning usually isn't the way to go. Uh, And part of the the issue, too, I would imagine, if you're on on a fixed income, if you have a very tight budget and you have a family and and the grocery bills, we all know the price of groceries continues to go up. Uh, Unfortunately, fast food is cheaper than healthy food. In many cases, it is. You know, those of us, you know, who are very careful and cook from scratch, there's ways of doing that. But you're right. If you're going for something quicker, that is a healthy alternative. So like those, you know, stir fry steamers and things like that, they're way more expensive 
than the cheap pizza that is a few that's a few aisles down. So you're, you're absolutely correct. And so if there is a way of us teaching ourselves and our kids on how to cook from scratch, cook from fresh, cook properly with our own ingredients, then you can save a lot of money and be a lot healthier there. But you point out the fact that there are folks on fixed incomes. You know, a lot of us grew up that way. And a lot of times, if I can get back to the marketing point, going to McDonald's or something like it is a huge treat. And especially for, for little kids. And you'll often see it if you go to McDonald's. You'll see parents there giving their kids this big treat. And having that Happy Meal in some cases, or a toy, or the equivalent, doesn't need to be McDonald's, is a big deal. It's a really big deal. And I think sometimes the folks who are making these decisions in our capital cities are the same people who wouldn't usually deign to go to those places at all. So a lot of times it's do as I say and because I think it's best for you. And I don't think that's fair. Uh, a lot of times though, that those toys and those treats means a lot to those kids. And frankly, it's not up to government. It should be left up to, to the parents and grandparents who are making these choices. Well, and like you point out uh, in your piece as well, there, there have been changes. The Happy Meal, you do get the choice now. You can get an apple instead of fries. You can get a book instead of a toy. There has been some movement on that front. There has, and you can get white kai no because I take my kids there. You can get white milk. You know, you can get white milk and a, a cheeseburger if you want. You can even take the bun away if you're going gluten-free or low-carb or whatever. And you're right. If you don't like the toy, um, you can go with a book and apple slices. You know, and I've done it. I've ordered it before because I don't want my kids having all the junk. But you know what? They love the toy and they love the idea that it's made just for them. Um, and so it's special. And so we just find that most of the time, whenever government gets an idea of, hey, you know what? We know better. I'm from the government. I'm here to help. It usually doesn't work that way. And also, we really wanted to pound home the fact that the sugar tax, while possibly well-intentioned, the idea of reducing obesity, it just doesn't work. All it does is wind up raising money, costing people more money, and fattening government coffers. And so we just don't think that's fair. If they want to make more money off of us, they should just be upfront about it. Chris Sims, always good to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show this morning. Thank you. Merry Christmas and happy cookie baking. <laughs> All right. Merry Christmas to you as well. That is Chris Sims. She is the BC Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.